It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's wedding podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon. Lay off me, single ladies. I'm engaged, Kylie. Uh, and this is before the box score. Wedding edition, because there's nothing football-related that we're going to talk about. Everyone, applaud. Round of applause for BK. He is officially engaged, if you haven't seen it already. Uh, BK and future Mrs. BK, congratulations, sir and ma'am. Thank you so much, man. Uh, myself and Kara, my girl, fiance. Uh, hey, fun! <laughs> had a uh, had a wonderful weekend. In fact, for this podcast, it's even more apropos. Uh, we did so. I I took the knee uh, right in front of the columns on the quad at Mizzou. That is where we met. That is where we spent oh, the first three Missouri years of. <laughs> was that just playing in your head while you were doing it? Come it on. wasn't. No, it it really wasn't. All <laughs> oh, right, you had nothing going through your head at that moment. I forgot. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, we were, the, the rue was, I was planning to meet my mom out there for dinner. She lives in Kansas City. We now live out here in St. Louis. Um, so we were just going to go to dinner. And of course, instead of going to dinner to begin with, we went to the quad. We were walking around, uh, took the knee. She said yes. Everybody was merry. The, my family, her family came out. They both surprised her right thereafter. Uh, we took some pictures, went to CC's. Went over to Logboat afterwards, celebrated the night, and then uh, we stayed out in Columbia at the Broadway Hotel. So it was an awesome weekend. I have now learned exactly what it's like to get into the very early stages of planning a wedding less than 48 mm-hmm. hours later. So here we are, man. What a world this is. <laughs> Welcome to 2020. <laughs> hey, man, you got to take the victories where you can get them. That's and that's right. a pretty damn good victory. So. Of course, for our listenership, if you have any unsolicited advice, you can tweet him. I'm sure he'll love it and appreciate everything that you got. Um, but yeah, we're very especially, excited here. Especially wedding advice. Like marriage advice, I'll take that over the next like 50 years. That, that's perfect. There fine. you go. Wedding there advice, go. if you have something that is real and substantive for helping to plan a wedding, I am legitimately all here for it, for, for it because <laughs> I got nothing on this stuff right now. So if you've got something in terms of your recommendations, uh, please feel free to do so at BKSportsTalk on Twitter. I think the big debate is DJ versus live band. And I've seen you're going DJ. That's what we did. 
Now, this, this is a friend of mine that we went with. That's why I did it. But I've been to DJ weddings. I've been to live band weddings. Live bands are incredibly impressive. They're also loud as hell. <laughs> if you have older mm-hmm. folks who don't like, uh, you know, the brass right in their face, maybe not for them. So uh, that's that's the way we went. And, of course, there's all sorts of different things like that. I will tell you this, BK, my favorite part. So I, was, I was mostly involved, but, you know, let the lady do her thing. My favorite part was tasting the menu. Yes. When you get to decide what to eat and you get everything placed in front of you. And I feasted like <laughs> a keen, uh, stuffed all that junk in my face. And I loved it. By the time the cake rolled around, I was like, I can't, I can't. Oh, I totally can. Uh, so that's, that's a pretty good part. Uh, but I would say just advice for you and for any of our future listeners who are possibly planning a wedding, pick a couple things that you really care about. I don't know what that is. For me, that was the place setting. It was the music. Uh, and it was the food. Pick a couple of those things and really go hard at it because this is her day and she wants to design it in the way that she wants to do it. But it is important for you to be involved and have opinions on things too and not just, sure, honey, whatever. So pick a couple of things and, and make that your, your realm, your contribution. Uh, and that's going to make things go a lot smoother. I love it. I'm definitely here for that. There, there will be certain things that I uh, am willing to fight for, but... Uh, those will, like you said, be few and far between. Uh, the vast majority of it, I am here to say, that sounds great. Yeah. I can't wait for it. That is going oh, to be a job. memorable decision. So mm-hmm. um, I'm here for most of that. I, I'll probably try to have a little bit of input on the actual venue itself. Um, yes. The nice thing is we have yes. a pretty similar taste and a sim- pretty similar idea as to kind of what we're looking for. Uh, we're both a little more modern with some of that stuff. So I think it's going to go smooth, all things considered. And I'm sure there's going to be a time probably a month from now, whenever we talk on this very podcast, Nate, where I say something completely different. So <laughs> <laughs> in the meantime, I'm going to enjoy all of the things that have gone so smoothly thus far. Speaking of things that have gone smoothly and then completely turned around to something different. I lied. We do have football news. We have a crap ton of football news. Listeners, just to let you in. I have been consuming some alcohol. I won't tell you how much, but it's been a very up and down couple of days where I have been watching Twitter. I'm sure you all have as well, especially BK in your line of work, um, where there's been a lot of decisions falling down uh, that have possibly derailed uh, a football season for 2020. Um, But the timeline of events kind of in the past 48 hours, if you can believe it, only 48 no, not even that, 24. Um, the Big Ten announced that they are not having fall sports. There's a possibility it kicks in in the spring, but the Big Ten football teams will not be playing anytime in 2020. A little bit after that, Pac-12 went out and said the same thing, uh, that they were not going to be having a 2020 season for their football teams or any of their fall sports. And everything fell down to that calm, reasonable, put-together conference called the Big 12. Uh, Because if you have three conferences doing anything, then it pretty much allows that to be the quorum. And if Big 12 didn't decide to play, that was probably going to be it for this season. Uh, Luckily, so far, it seems like, as of today, August 11th at 8.28 p.m., there will be a football season because the Big 12 is going to do so. So that's a big sigh of relief, BK. I, I mean, how confident are you this is going to stick, and, and how do you feel about the 2020 season with just three conferences playing? So I've got a lot of thoughts on all of this. Um, let, let's start with just the immediacy of this, right, the, the initial reaction to all of this. I get why the Big Ten is doing what they're doing. I do. Uh, we've talked about this a lot on this show between you and me, Nate, and I understand both sides of the discussion, and I know that is not – the popular thing to say, especially with this, like saying that you understand both sides appears to be the worst possible take that you can have. Um, you're supposed to go into one side or the other and kind of hide in that din and fire shots on the other end. Mm-hmm. I'm not there right now. I'm really not. I'm trying to understand what the rationale is behind everything and then kind of make an educated opinion of it based upon the facts of what they have said as to why they are doing what they're doing. I kind of get with why the Big Ten has decided to switch it up into this spring, hopefully, fingers crossed, and hope that the testing is better at that time, that the climate around America, not even around sports, is better at that time, and they're better able to go through the season, not just to get it started, but to finish it 
in the spring than they would have been right now. I get all of that. That being said, I do think there is one thing in particular that came out today that made me a little frustrated by their decision. And it's What's this. That? They're still going to be practicing 20 hours per yes. week. Isn't that crazy? So then why aren't you just playing the games? Like, I know that is a super simplistic way of looking at things, but if you're going to be doing almost all of the same things that you would be doing during the regular season with your team, the difference is with what they're doing this fall compared to what they would otherwise be doing, more or less, they're not playing the game on Saturday. Like That, that mm-hmm. is the difference between what the SEC will be doing this fall and what the Big Ten will be doing this fall. And so if that is the leap that you're not willing to make, I got to be honest, Nate, I don't totally understand it there. That's where they lost me. If you're going to go through this fall and the student athletes are going to be on campus, but they're just going to be basically students this fall and they're going to be working out on their own and so on and so forth. And I knew that was never likely, but if that was going to be the case, okay, kind of understand it. That's not what they're doing. They're still going to be student athletes in every sense of the word. They're going to be going to what they're not calling practices, but will essentially be practices. They're going to have film work. They're going to have workouts together. They're going to have meetings. Like all of these things are still taking place. They're just not playing the game. So Nate, I am curious from your perspective, why did the Big Ten cancel if they're still willing to do all of these other things? Liability, right? Why do players do anything? to set themselves up for the NFL. Why do coaches do anything? Because of recruiting. Why do conferences do anything? Liability. But it's the popular stance to play, right? It is the popular stance to play, but they they are in a situation, a couple things. Number one, either they are not comfortable or able to block liability for pushing these kids to play, someone getting COVID and possibly dying. There's got to be some kind of backroom law talk where they're like we we don't have any option to cover you for that but if that was totally uh, the case and I, I apologize for jumping in but i think it's sure. best to kind of go back and forth on this a little bit uh to, to address the individual points if that was the case then why are the big Ten, big 12 sec and acc pushing forward like that that would essentially tell me that the big 10 and the pac 12 are having a different set of law analysis or recommendations than the other three power conferences are which seems strange given the current situation it is but i mean you can you can talk to anybody with letters after their name md phd esq right like you can find someone who's going to tell you what you want to hear and apparently the group at the big 10 and the pac-12 have have either this law talk or you know what they were citing today the the mito chronolysis or something it's, it's basically the the heart condition which the big 10 players i guess six of them have and the pac-12 kind of goes and locks up with the big 10 anyway where it's okay if we push these kids even if they're asymptomatic we know our doctors know our doctors are showing and telling us this thing can happen and we cannot afford that sort of liability to fall on us and if that's the case then, you know, obviously the Big Ten has documented examples. And apparently the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 either A, do not have those examples, or B, do not care. Now, I can't, I don't know, like, it it doesn't make any sense that two conferences can see data and say no, and the other three go, sure, let's do it anyway. Um, The only other liability thing I can think of is this player not a union because that's not what it is association yeah right? but that's a even a union too it's like a a collection of players that agree <laughs> on similar ideas <laughs> exactly like you it's not a union because they, they shut that down in 2014 right like northwestern tried to unionize the judge said well you can't well so northwestern that's not could potentially because they're a private school but any public university would not be allowed to do so there you go kind better words better better specificity specificity <laughs> than i provided there so um but they can't do that so you have either it's, you know, we don't want the kids to unionize. Let's just use that as a, as a catch-all term. We don't want the kids to unionize or we can't, we don't want the liability of pushing these kids to play and then they get sick. Um, that's the only two things I can think of. And neither one explains why two conferences don't and three do. So I'm kind of at a loss myself. I, It's weird, man, because it seems like in a global pandemic, we should all agree on the facts. And I think if anything... We've learned over the last, God, it's almost been six months now, but uh, five and a half-ish months, five months really, 
that we can't even agree on the facts right now. And you're right, because you mentioned, hey, you can ask one doctor and they'll tell you one thing. You can ask one lawyer, they'll tell you one thing. And you ask another of either profession and they'll tell you something entirely different. The medical opinions are different on this. The professional legal opinions are different on this. So I I leave everything from today and everything that we learned over the last 24 hours about the decision-making processes and how many people within the Big Ten are frustrated by the decision itself, whether it be coaches, administrators, players, anybody on that level that is directly involved on a day-to-day level versus the people that are in charge of the more uh, covering your ass level, which is like within the Big Ten conference level, they even differ on the way that they view all of this. So it's a really strange situation to be in where I'm like, okay, I get why you're postponing the season because there's a global pandemic. Of course. Yeah, we can all see that. But at the same time, if it's just because of these games, I just, I'm having a difficult time wrapping my mind around everything that I heard from the Big Ten today. Because if they are scared of their players getting this, then they shouldn't have their players practicing football ever. Like, that shouldn't be taking place. But if that is taking place, then why aren't you just going forward with it? Because at least then you get the benefit, which is the money. Like, if you're a Big Ten institution right now, the only reason why you would want these kids to be around each other, like, the reason why it could potentially, if you're doing a cost-benefit analysis, and I know this is crass, but if you're doing one, the benefit... In the, in the green pen is the money. And they're not getting that out of this. You're, they're getting nothing. They're getting the ability to potentially develop some players with all of the risk in the world still being there and potentially transmitting the de- disease amongst their players and having that same downside without any upside. So it's really strange to me the way that the Big Ten has handled this, despite the fact that I do understand why they canceled the season. I just... <sighs> The, the Pac-12 did a better job in their rollout. They actually had a doctor take the stage and explain everything that was going on. Big Ten just trotted out Big Ten dudes, which mm-hmm. they're, they're good at a couple of things. They're not good at explaining medical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with the Pac-12 doing a better job of explaining it, again, they're still having the players play. Now, something that I thought was really interesting, uh, this was tweeted by Bud Elliott, I think, over at 247. Um, the University of Miami in Coral Gables and Virginia Tech – uh, apparently did studies of their practice film from the past four years, and they determined, other than linemen, the contact between two individual players during a practice is less than two minutes in a two-hour time span. So I'm thinking, okay, if that's, if that's what you're going to roll with, like, oh, other than the linemen, no one's really touching each other. At all. And that's in these practices were not COVID friendly, right? These are just practices held in 2019 and earlier. Right. So if you can if you can have minimal contact outside of linemen uh, for most of your team without COVID restrictions, maybe they're thinking, oh, well, we'll have them practice uh, with COVID restrictions. And then what? They don't transfer to a Big 12 ACC or SEC team, right? Like if you thought the transfer portal was happening last year, uh, if they have open season on these kids, well, hold on to your butts. <laughs> like I don't know what the rules are. On I didn't that. think no. about that, but like, could a could a kid from the Big Ten that's a graduate, like he he is in his fifth year, fifth year senior, could he technically transfer right now to an SEC school? Hell, can the second string receiver who's a sophomore who is not going to have a season, can he just transfer to an ACC school? And get like some kind of hardship waiver potentially. Yeah. Say do you like that's what UAB did right when they shuttered the program. All yep. those kids could leave. With no penalty, is that? I'm the guessing same? that the the language of postponing the season instead of canceling it probably is important there. Sure, um, like maybe if, that's why they haven't practiced too. Maybe, um, but I do wonder for like the grad the graduate kids, like they they have no idea if they're going to be able to actually pull this thing off in the spring. So, if I'm mm-hmm. a fifth year receiver at Ohio State, let's say, and I see that the SEC is going to be playing this year. Maybe I'm looking at coming to Mizzou, right? Or sure. if I'm a yeah. hell of a fifth-year quarterback. I don't know who specifically fits into this <laughs> criteria, but if I'm a fifth-year quarterback at one of the Power 5 schools at Pac, in the Pac-12 or the Big 10, 
I'm definitely looking at, okay, where are my options in the ACC, Big 12, or SEC? And I don't know what the other schools within those conferences look like, but I know that there's a very strong possibility that they could win the job here in Columbia. So mm-hmm. I, I wonder what that would look like as well. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a million USC, different tentacles to all this. There are. Um, so I, 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 part of me thinks that it's to hold on to their players. Um, I know Arizona State's AD or president said something along the lines. Someone asked, like, oh, well, do you think they're going to transfer? And he's like, we're going to practice, so come get them. See what you can do. Like, kind of inviting the opportunity and apparently being confident that no one's going to do anything. Mm. But I don't know what the rules are. I don't know what the language would stipulate as far as, you know, pandemic versus closure of, you know, shuttering of the program versus postponement versus whatever. Um, There's a lot of legalese in there that we don't see. We don't know. Um, so I don't know what the situation would be, but God, can you imagine just an influx of Big Ten and Pac-12 talent? Jokes aside, I hear you already. <laughs> um, jokes aside, having Big Ten and Pac-12 talent infuse to any of the three conferences that are still playing, you could almost create, you know, some mega teams, mm-hmm. right? Some, uh, I don't like a super group, right? <laughs> when you just, you know, when you took Audio Slave. Uh, and you mixed it with with uh, <laughs> with the you know God, what was it? No, Audio Slave was Rage Against the Machine, and uh, oh, you all are yelling at me right now, and you got to be so upset that it Soundgarden. There we go, Chris Cornell and Rage Against the Machine put Audio Slave. We could have an Audio Slave conference, right? Where you just bring in like the best receivers and the best defensive linemen and just mash them together. And oh man, what if uh, what if Missouri all of a sudden found themselves with? Um, Oregon's defensive line. Dude. How cool would that be? That'd be awesome. Watch out, Bama. <laughs> <laughs> like, serious, that could be awesome. Um, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anyone else really knows what's going to happen. But um, did, you, did you see what Steve Spurrier said earlier today? He called into <laughs> Yeah. He's like, hey, you know, this is nothing different than what it would have been anyways. Just go ahead exactly. and name whoever wins between the ACC and the SEC, the national champion. We all knew that's what was going to happen anyway. God. I love that guy. <laughs> Still to this day, just the saltiest dude in the world. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just it's very bizarre that um, – and I think it just harkens to kind of the situation in college football that's been here forever and really kind of the situation in just our culture in general. When you don't have centralized leadership making informed decisions that people trust, you don't get anywhere. You leave it to individuals so you have five conferences making five different decisions, looking at five different data sets, coming up with five different you know, conclusions based off of it. And we have this hodgepodge, you know, with the group of fives left out, the FCS is left out, coaches have no idea what they're going to do, players have no idea what they're going to do because no one knows what anything's going to happen. There's no legislative or enforcement of anything that's going on. It's just, it's a mess. And and, and, and that's what COVID has done. It's just shown a light into all of the discrepancies that we have in our country. Um, and it's laid bare what, what can happen when you don't have anybody to, to lead, yeah. <laughs> at least to, to unite everybody. It's it's a it's a difficult spot, and I do not envy anybody that is in it right now. Whether it be somebody that is involved with a conference, somebody that is involved with an individual individual institution, or players, like I, I don't envy any of these people right now for the decisions that are having to be made. I I do want to add this, Nate, because I think it's a layer of the conversation that needs to be had, and I know it's something that has been talked about a little bit, kind of bubbling under the water so far today, but. I do have a little bit of an issue with the way the NCAA has approached this from a health perspective. because Not the NCAA, but the way college football, because the NCAA has done nothing on any of this. They're Surprise. Um, but the way that we, as a college football universe, have approached this with the health side of things, because we know very little about this heart situation, right? We know very little about it. We know very little about COVID-19 still. We also know very little about CTE, but we know that it is specifically caused by the sport that these people are playing. And I know there's going to be people that are listening to this and they're like, hey, but one is contagious and the other one is not. I get that completely. (laughs) What I'm saying is that there are inherent risks with playing football. They exist. And we all know now, we did not once upon a time, but we know now that those risks do exist any time that a player goes out onto the football field while bashing their head into another human being at high speeds, right? We know that. Mm-hmm. And 
college football's done very little on that subject. It's changed very little about the game, other than basically targeting rules, right? Meanwhile, with this, it was enough to completely cancel the season. And so, uh, call me... Call you can call me negative if you want to, but you're a negative. I'm not totally believing <laughs> that this was all about the health side of things. Like as much I as agree. that's been what they've trotted out there today, I just don't believe them. I don't. I, I don't. Why think do you not believe them? Why because believe of all them? of this. Like <laughs> if, if we've seen all of this in the past, with them being willing to overlook basically everything when it comes to health of their players. In the meantime, there is something that is obviously a direct threat to the health of their players. I'm, I'm not trying to undermine that. I want, I want to make that very clear here. Like, this is absolutely a real thing, and it is a problem, and it is a pandemic for a reason. I'm not denying the science. I, I want to make that very clear once again. But I, I just don't buy that the pandemic is... 100% of the reason why the Big Ten and the Pac-12 decided to do this. Maybe it's 50, maybe it's 40. I don't know what the exact okay. percentage is, but I do not buy that it is. I'm not even sure it's the main reason. I think it so is. So what's the other 50 slash 40? I think they are protecting amateurism. You hey, there it, it is. Yep. You mentioned it earlier. I think it's about like, I think there came a point when it became a decision of, do we play a season or do we protect the integrity of what college football is? And I think the Big Ten and the Pac-12 decided it is more important for us to protect the long-term viability of college football the way that we have come to know it for the last hundred years than it is to protect this one year of revenue. And I think that we saw the start of that when the Pac-12 took out that massive debt insurance what a week ago now i think that was the first sign of this is about the money more so than it is about the health i don't know how that plays into things for the sec acc or big 12 again it's weird that we have so many different decisions made on the same set of facts but i think that is more of what's going on here than it is the health side of things i mean let's just be clear the big 10 pack 10 or pack 12 they've got what 16 aau schools between the two of them. I mean, they've always been more academically minded anyway, um, which is not a bad thing, right? Let's, I mean, that's the entire point of college kids, like get your education. But those two in particular have been more educational focused with their, with their athletes. And I think that's the exact, I think it, you're, you, you nailed it on the head because why else, why else would you put together a new COVID schedule and two days later, Two, not two weeks, two days. Then say, oh, for the health of our student athletes, we're going to cancel this season. Mm -hmm. And then not even an hour after that, bam, the graphic. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, with all those guys saying, we want to play. And if we are going to play, this is what we want. It's a little bit more toned down from the, yeah. the Pac-12 group. Um, all reasonable things, right? Give them an option to play. If people opt out, honor their scholarships, get rap. I think it was rapid day of testing, um, for, for all the players that opt in and making sure that they can capitalize on, on their name, image, and likeness, mm -hmm. like very simple, easy requests. And the conferences seem to get in front of that and say, no, 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 no health before, <laughs> Before again, union is not the actual term, but it's it's the easiest term to use. Before the union stuff started to hit, I see no coincidence in that. And maybe I am jaded. Maybe I'm putting on my tinfoil hat. But you cannot tell me that that had nothing to do with it. And all of a sudden, even though you just reworked your entire schedule to put these guys out there, all of a sudden now you feel bad about the health. Now you found out about the health issues. Now you care about that stuff. Give me a freaking break. It's just super convenient timing. Like, it, it just feels um, like more than a coincidence to me that that was the timing of it all. And so, like you said, Nate, maybe I'm just jaded and this is where we are in 2020 and I'm just looking for the negative side of things here. I don't think that's the case. Um, I just, I, I'm not buying what the Big Ten is selling. I'm not buying what the Pac-12 is selling. 
I don't think that this is 100%, hey, we've got the best interest in mind for these college athletes. We know exactly what should be the case for them. Oh, and by the way, they're going to be practicing every day. And oh, by the way, we're still trying to play a spring season and all of these different things. And it's like, what? That 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 doesn't totally go with what you had just said. Because I maybe it is, maybe you're right, Nate. Maybe it's two minutes where non- offensive linemen are actually having any sort of real contact with one another over a course of, over the course of a two-hour practice. Maybe that's exactly right. The linemen still exist. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great stat for anybody that's not an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, but hey, yeah. Nate, quick question for you. Who's the most at risk of anybody on a football field that is actually playing on that, uh, on that field? It's gonna be the players, but, the ones but that specifically are within the within the players. Like, who is it? Well, it's the linemen. It's the linemen because they're always getting injured all the time. Because it's it's nothing but contact over and over and over again. Come and on. so it's great that the non-offensive and defensive linemen are are having two minutes of contact every practice. But the linemen and the defensive linemen are the ones that are most at risk of any sort of legitimate problematic response to this disease, uh, this virus. And they're the ones that you haven't told me how long that they're banging up against each other over the course of the practice. So if you've got stats on that, I would love to hear them. But we haven't heard any of that because they're not going to put it out. Because I'm guessing that the number is not particularly palatable and that would prevent them from doing what they want to do. And so are are they are they doing 100 percent what's best for their athletes? I'm not buying it. Um, And I, I do think this is. There are some ulterior motives from what has been said publicly that are probably being discussed more so behind the scenes. And we're just never going to hear those conversations. No, definitely not. I guess, yeah. And it'd be a great book. And I'm sure someone somewhere would be willing to to give a little insight on those conversations for the right dollar amount. But certainly we're not going to find out today or tomorrow or anything like that. I just, at this point, you, know, you and I have talked about this forever, and, and this is this, this entire pandemic, which only feels like forever. Um, we, you want the games to be played. I want the games to be played. But we want them to be played without anybody being sacrificed, right? No live sacrifice. Don't come at me with that, oh, you step on the field, you accept risk. Yeah, um, we know that. This is a risk that's beyond just breaking your ACL, you know, getting a concussion. This is beyond that. This is not dealing with the game. This is dealing with just being a person, being a human being. Um, so I still think that the answer should should be that we probably shouldn't play the sport if 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 we got two conferences who say who can't do it. And if, if they can't do it, then, you know, we probably none of us should do it. But um, also our livelihoods are based off of this sort of thing happening. So um, it's been a really weird day on Twitter with a lot of um, – a lot of sports writers kind of banging their fists and being very forlorn and, and upset about the season being canceled and then kind of saying, well, okay, I guess we're kind of safe for now with the Big 12 announcement. It's been very up and down, very, very up and down. Um, and we're not totally sure what's going to happen because it's going to change by the day. But um, BK, we do have a schedule of if the season's played, we, <laughs> we know, know what that's going to look like. Uh, we know the teams, yeah, who, who's played on those teams, we have no idea, but we know who they're going to be, um, and this was kind of the uproar at uh, 5 o'clock on Friday, uh, news dump hour, when they rolled out the SEC schedule. So we, uh, the Tigers get to keep their full East slate. Uh, they keep Mississippi State and Arkansas as their West opponents. Um, and, then, and that's uh, it, right? Like they're we, done. That's, well, that's the end well, of the season. Uh, they're just playing the eight? Well, uh Right. Well, we decided to to add LSU and Alabama. That nah, can't be right. There's, well, there's no way that's the correct <laughs> decision from the SEC. I don't buy that uh, at all. It's uh, it's what they decided. Um, it, it, look, you know, we played Alabama twice. We got our our asses handed to us twice. We played LSU once. We lost to LSU. That was Ed Orgeron's first game. It wasn't good. It was Darius Geis's first career like breakout Darius game too. First game, yeah, yeah. Because Leonard Fournette so, was out in that one. Yeah, and I remember way back in 2016, I was like, "Oh, hey, we might beat him." <laughs> Drew Locke caught a pass though. That's remember happened that? twice when Mizzou totally like as as a side tangent. Mizzou went into a game against Georgia, and Todd Gurley was suspended that week, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, this is awesome! Mizzou's going to be yeah. great." 
And then Nick Chubb was like Nick really, Chubb. really good. And Sony Michelle was like really, really good. Just chubbed all over us. So yeah, that was no good. <laughs> Same um, thing happened with LSU and Darius guys. So fun stuff, man. We're gonna get chubbed. Is that the term? <laughs> no, it's gotta be more Missouri focused. I don't know. Whatever. Um, yeah, not great. So we have we don't have the best uh, experience with these two, but that's kind of true for anybody who plays LSU in Alabama. Um, you know, thank God we're not in the West and have to face these guys every year. But I mean, this is—I I did the advanced breakdown the second that it came out. Uh, you know, the average SP plus ranking of our opponents before this was 48th, uh, and that jumped up to 32nd with the addition of LSU and Alabama. Um, the average projected offense went from 56th to 46th. I would the love to see one. what these numbers look like if you take out Vandy and Arkansas. Oh, dude, it's bad. <laughs> Vandy in particular, but certainly Arkansas too. Uh, the average projected defense went from 47th to 28th. <laughs> so Georgia was our toughest opponent pre-COVID. Post-COVID, it's obviously Alabama. The worst offense is Vandy. The best defense is still Georgia, number one projected defense. The worst defense is Mississippi State's 74th. But the real kicker is over 12 games. Missouri was projected to win 5.8 games, so round that up to 6. That's a bowl game. Over 10 games, we're projected to win 3.2. Round that up, that's 3 games. Um, I have my opinions on this season and how it's going to go, but just your, your general feeling about adding two of the toughest teams in the entire country on your on our schedule, how are you, how are you feeling about it, BK? I had really good timing for my column last week. I mean, really good timing <laughs> for my column. Really did. That said, yeah. do not judge Eli Drinkwitz by his ske- or by his uh, overall results, the yeah. record this season. And that's how I feel, honestly, man. Like Eli Drinkwitz has done everything else well. He was on 101 ESPN earlier today on Tuesday once again. And the guy's just electric every time that you hear him speak publicly. Like, Mm -hmm. he opened up his interview today by saying, well, we got a lot of things that we could talk about. Do you guys want to talk about New Zealand getting too confident? Do you want to talk about Russia going quick with their vaccine? Do you want to talk about our schedule? Do you want to talk about college football? What do you guys want to talk about today? That's that's just who he is. And so he's really good at selling his program. He appears to be a quite good recruiter so far um, based on everything that we know from what he's done with the players thus far. He seems to be a pretty good leader. He seems to be getting pretty good buy-in. Um, I, I think he's a pretty good offensive mind based on everything that we've seen from him in his sure. history. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that we're going to see anything tangibly on the field that will indicate <laughs> as much this year. Like it's just going to yeah. be a really hard season, man. The, the, this is a really hard schedule. This is unlike anything that we've seen from Mizzou in quite some time, and it's a team at Mizzou that was already unprepared for something like this. If the 2013 team, 2014 team, 10, 07, any of those squads were faced with this schedule, I could still have pretty high expectations for the year. Maybe you get 7-3, and 8-2 and two if everything breaks right, right? Sure, yeah. This year's team is just not that. And the biggest reason, of course, is because we don't even know who the quarterback is right now. So when you face this kind of a schedule with the kind of roster that they have right now and the uncertainty that exists within that roster, that's where I just, I don't think that the judgment of Eli Drinkwitz this year should be based upon his record. Where do you stand on that? That's, yeah, that's basically it. Like anytime you get a new coach rebuilding a team, You've got to just <clears throat> let him do his thing in the first year and not really hold it against him. Um, Bill Bill Connolly, Godfather Bill Connolly, calls it the year zero, uh, where basically you just go, "Hey, don't don't have any expectations, don't don't really put a win number on there. Just let him build the team, let him put out his his you know install his playbook, um, run the practices." Get used to the the school's media. Get used to the conference media. Get used to the conference around you and just let him acclimate and build the roster. That's when everything is going well. (laughs) Then you on on top of that, you add the pandemic. You add no practices. You add a messed up schedule. And you could just that's going to be true for everybody, man. Like, don't don't take anything from this season. Just accept the fact that these games are 
are being played for the almighty dollar. We're going to get as many in as we can. And this is just, it's a big old exhibition season. Okay, that's all it is. And just like you know, exhibition games in the NFL or MLB or NBA or anything, you're not looking for wins and losses. You're looking for proof of concept. You're looking for mastery of the book, uh, both offensive and defensive. You're looking for players that you can build around, getting the new guys in, right? Having them get experience in a situation that's live uh, with with athletes that are of equal uh, caliber, and you just see what they can do. So yes, take. If it's three wins, cool. If it's one win, cool. If it's no wins, well, that that sucks. But uh, like, if it's okay, one whatever. win, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to be Vandy or Arkansas. You got to be one of those. I preferably you beat both. Yeah, I think even if you don't beat both, I would like to see at least one upset somewhere else on the schedule. Then, like, I, I think two is the requirement this year. <laughs> okay, so two wins. <laughs> well, we're projected for three, so we could probably sneak that in. Um, actually. Since you're saying that, uh, looking at the schedule, what is your most likely upset? Let me pull it up real quick. Most likely upset for Mizzou this year. Let me pull. Who do it's you Bama. have? It's Bama. <laughs> <laughs> because all their players are going to sit out, half the squad's going to get COVID, and we're going to rampage them. No. Uh, biggest upset, I think, would probably – I mean, it's easy to say Florida just because we always seem to have their number. Um, but based off of projections, I think the best upset you could get would be like Tennessee. I was That's what uh, I was looking at. And the other thing that yeah. helps is I'm assuming probably no fans on the stands this year. Tennessee yeah. is typically a difficult place to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and without the fans in the stands, that kind of changes things. Maybe South Carolina? Um, I don't know how much of an upset that would be, but it would certainly. Yeah, they're projected thirty probably... fifth, better than us. I was about to say it'd, it'd be an upset nonetheless. So maybe I, I would say one of those two at South Carolina or at Tennessee uh, would be the two that I would probably immediately look at. Yeah, or Kentucky since they own us. Yeah, that seems less likely because you know they own us. <laughs> <laughs> well, they own Barry Odom, right? So that's a good um, point. Yeah. Maybe Drake can play uh, a game that's more than 24 points scored on on the Mizzou side of things. <sighs> God, I just Here's the thing. The the uh, the sports emotions of this week have been absolutely crazy. At this point I'm relieved and I'm almost like, oh, it's going to be taken away once again. And this is this is exactly what I talked about God, 2 months ago when I said the worst possible outcome is that we push and push and push and push. We don't do anything to change anything about our society, but we push and say, we're going to have sports, we're going to have sports, we're going to have college football, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And then it gets yanked right out from under us. And that's kind of what it's felt like twice so far this week. So the week, it's only Tuesday. We could have many more turns in this this winding story here. Um, But God, I just, I hope that, um, I hope the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 are correct. I hope that we can have these games without having to worry about any players dying or spreading it to their families or friends. Uh, and I hope that the season can go as long as it possibly can without anybody being harmed. Uh, I hope that the economies get at least some of what they're expecting just to keep it afloat. Um, and then I hope that we do something to fix this glaring problem instead of just going, oh, well, that was crazy, and go back to right exactly where we were before this all hit. We are in a place where, as of tonight... I am more confident that a season will be played than I was last night. I'm also still not at 100% certainty that a season is going to be played. I saw a report earlier today that the ACC is basically saying, hey, we at least want to give ourselves the opportunity to see what things look like when the kids get back on campus. And so if we kick this thing down the road an extra one, two weeks, we have that opportunity. And if we decided not to do this, then maybe things go smoother than expected. And we have already made this massive decision and there's no take backs on that, right? So I think that's kind of where we are is we're still in a holding pattern. And the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 are the mm-hmm. three that are willing to sit in this holding pattern for now. The worst case scenario for them, and this is why I'm a little surprised, honestly, that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have already made their decisions. The worst case scenario is that they end up in the same spot where the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are right now. The best case scenario is 
Well, things go a little smoother than expected. You don't have any sort of outbreak within your team. The kids come back on campus and things are going okay. Uh, the majority of your team still remains within their health and safety protocols. They're not going out every night. And you're able to pull this thing off. So the best case scenario is you get your hundreds of millions of dollars for your league. Your worst case scenario is you're in the same spot that everybody else is in right now. So to me, I think it's worth it to kind of continue kicking this can down the road. Um, but they're, they're not done yet. They're not all the way there. Now there's a question of what the next step looks like. And if you're an administrator within the SEC or the Big 12 or the ACC, those are the conversations that you're having today. Did you have any confidence in any conference commissioner before this happened? Um, certainly not the Big 12, not the Big 10, not the Pac-12. Um, so that eliminates the majority of them. Most. I, I don't have any reason necessarily to not have confidence in Sankey. Um, so this, this was a big test for him. And, and so far, I, I think he's basically done the right thing. They pushed the season back a little bit to allow themselves to have the opportunity to at least find more information. Um, they have not made any sort of clear decision yet, although they are leaning obviously towards playing if they can. I, I think he's done a pretty good job here. So I, I would say that of all of the options, he would be the one that I would have the most in most confidence in. Yeah. I mean, I typically I don't care about conference commissioners. It's it's a figurehead position that I don't want to hear your name. I don't want to know what's going on. Just schedule your conference <laughs> games, sir, and, and and do so appropriately. And like, do a good you job really negotiating TV deals. And, and negotiate your TV deals. You're right, but like it just, I was absolutely flabbergasted this afternoon when I think it was Adam Rittenberg mentioned that Big Ten officials had met yesterday, August 10th, to figure out what they were going to do about the whole COVID situation. Like, your job, as we've just mentioned, is to negotiate TV rights, which were done, and schedule your conference's games. Work out, you know, the venues and the travel plans and all that stuff and, you know, the advertising. Okay, fine, fine, fine. But that's all you do. That's all you do. That's all you do. So what were you doing these past five months? Like, there's there's no thought in the back of your head of, oh, hey, maybe if this country, oh, I don't know, maybe can't get it together, should we possibly, I don't know, brainstorm for 28 minutes and come up with a couple of contingency plans just just to have them just in case and then maybe flush it out over the time frame of you know somewhere between march and august we can flush them out a little bit further if, if things seem to be going awry no they didn't even do that they didn't even do that they decided yesterday to meet to talk about it and i don't know how conferences are run i'm obviously not the very successful ambitious people that these dudes are um but um, I kind of want to have plans in place in case something terrible happens. And it just kind of seems like, um, at least in the Big Ten, they didn't do that. And this is the problem, I mean, nationwide, right? Like, you could have a bigger yes. conversation about this, but certainly within sports. I mean, any of the sports that you're looking at right now, like, they just... So many of them waited and waited and waited, and then it became too late. And now, oh my God, we have a season? Like, the NFL was kind of like that. Suddenly, we got to yeah, mid-July, yeah. and teams are supposed to be reporting to training camps, and they're like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. COVID's still here? What are we going to do? <laughs> like, how do we test for this? How do we get the players into our facilities? What what do they need to wear? How could we track them? Like they had so many questions that remained unanswered and they basically mm -hmm. told the players, "Well, you can't come here yet. We have to figure our bleep out before you're able to arrive inside of these facilities." It's like Guys, you had the one benefit that baseball and basketball and hockey did not have, yes. which was the benefit yes. of time. And that's what college football mm -hmm. have. And they just wasted it. They sat on their hands the entire time and just hoped and prayed and believed that this pandemic would be gone by the time that their season came around. So that way it wouldn't affect them. And this may sound crazy, Nate, but it didn't. It didn't just vanish away from the rest of our world. So... 
This is something that they're going to have to deal with now. They need to start planning already if you're the Big Ten or the Pac-12 as to how you're going to figure out what to do for the spring. Um, and if mm-hmm. you're – it's it's what I've been saying on our radio show about like the NHL or NBA or any of these sports that are about to start up again potentially in December – they need to be thinking now about how they're going to be playing those sports. So college yep. basketball, you're on the clock, fellas. You yeah. better start thinking about what you need to do to be able to have a season. So all of this is it, it was about the benefit of time, and they, they wasted that amount of time, and now they're stuck. And they ended mm-hmm. up with no options, really, no good options at least, and they took the easiest option, which is to just punt and hopefully later it gets better and to give themselves more time, which they wasted the first time around. Yeah. I wanted to ask you I mean, there's one a... other thing. Go Nate. Ahead. Mm-hmm. I just saw this tweet come across from Brett McMurphy. Mm-hmm. 41 bulls and 82 bull bids will be available, but only 77 what? teams are currently scheduled to play FBS football this fall. Also one industry source questions if there can still be a college football playoff quote, it is hard to have a national championship without a bunch of teams. Listeners, friends, I love all of you. Stop saying stupid stuff like this. Because this is the least of their concerns. Forget the Bulls. That is the lowest... Po- if if we have to worry about how to fill the bowl games, <laughs> things have gone so unbelievably well for college football that... Oh my God. Everybody should celebrate with a great champagne toast at the end of the season. Because if you got there, if you were able to fill these bowls with these 77 teams because everybody's healthy, everything went according to plan. Everything. If you can crown a champion, everything went according to plan. Right now, it's about getting to week one. It's about getting then to week two. And eventually hopefully getting through the entire regular season and making the millions of dollars that you get out of this the bulls the national championship that is all so far beyond anything that they should be thinking about right now that it is just not even funny it's something that a conversation can happen about it but that is not in the least bit of my concern right now who told brett mcmurphy this (laughs) did chick-fil-a write him did bad boy mowers mail, email him and say, well, we're really concerned about this. Like, who's right, who's talking about this? An SEC source to Ross Dellinger me. said, quote, how do you crown a champion? I don't know, man. Figure it out. How long did we, we go where we literally... <laughs> fake, we've been making up fake champions for 100 fucking years. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is not an issue. This is not the issue. Sorry, listeners. Oh, my God. This is not the issue. Why are they... you got to be freaking kidding me. <laughs> Here's what we I'm do. telling you, dude. Look, I, my day job is in St. Louis where the Cardinals are not currently playing. And the big concern <laughs> is, hey, how do you get to 60 games this season? You don't. They don't play 60. They don't. <laughs> like, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. There's going to probably be a team in the SEC this year that plays eight games. There might be another one that plays seven, and one gets to play ten, and another gets to play five. Like, this is sports in 2020 outside of a bubble, and we just have to accept that it is completely um, – the, the, the inequality among all of these teams is going to be unbelievable – um, the fact that some teams are going to, whether it be forfeit or just postpone or cancel games, like it's going to be really hard to watch. But at least you get something. Anything at this point is the cherry on the top. Just celebrate the fact that you get to watch sports. Don't worry about the fact that it is God, really? wholly inadequate in the way that it is coming across. <laughs> like, it, if Alabama can, can claim 41 <laughs> national championships... Um, like three of which were during a during a World War Two, like when no one was playing. Like it, we're gonna be okay. <laughs> we're gonna be okay. All right, we'll we'll figure it out. We should bring back the BCS, and then also make the AP decide, and then make the coaches decide, and then like what the Massey composite, Bill C, like just have them all decide on a national champion at the end of the year. Just why not? Why not? You know, if, if Central Florida. Uh, claims a national championship after going undefeated. Uh, we should just have any team that makes it to the end with no COVID, you're the national champion. 
this Hands down. Uh, honestly that sounds every bit as good as any other option like hey if you <clears> made it through 10 games with no covid yeah. cases you're the national champion that's it yeah you're the real MVP. A little bit of incentive <laughs> there you go oh my god this is uh hey man i love this stupid sport but it is so stupid let's just root at this point with where we are today for our listeners it is very simple Root for there to be a season. Hope for there to be a season. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is a season, things have gone well within the SEC. Everybody should be rooting for that. Um, for, for us here locally, also the Big 12 and the ACC, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But root for all of that. And then if there is a season that begins, root for them to be able to play as many games as possible. It's probably mm-hmm. not going to be the full 10 games for every team. But root for them to be able to play as many games as possible. And then be accepting of whatever that looks like. If Mizzou ends up playing eight yes. games this year, it is what it is, man. It's not it's not the ideal scenario, but we're not living in ideal circumstances right now. So accept what it is. Understand that all of this is going to be very imperfect. And that there are going to be questions that arise throughout the season that we didn't anticipate. Just as there have been in baseball, where now they are being asked, what is the requisite number of games that you have to be played to make the postseason? Um, where they have now decided whenever they go on the road, actually we should have security guard within these hotel rooms so that way players can't leave. Like things, the day before the season, (laughs) they decided to expand the postseason. Stuff's going to be weird. Be prepared for that. Be okay with that. And then you're going to be able to enjoy a little bit of Mizzou football. And at the end of the day, that's all we really want. That's all you really need. Yep. Just as much as you can possibly get. Also planning for the 2021 season starting now. All Please. powers that be, just start now, okay? <laughs> just assume everything's still terrible for our sake, okay? <sighs> Any other thoughts, PK? I don't think so, man. Uh, I'm I'm glad to see that the SEC has not canceled things yet. I I oh, not yet. I'm gonna continue <laughs> being positive, and <laughs> I if you had to project today, do you believe that the mm-hmm. SEC plays a football season? Uh, starts. Let me, let, me, let me ask that football. differently. Do you think that okay. the SEC starts their football season with a game? I'm going to say yes. Like I'm going to say you yes. think on that that first. I think it's the 26th, right? It's September 26th. 26th. Yep. That's Saturday. There will be a game on CBS. They are looking live, and there is an <laughs> SEC football game on the television. I think so. I'm not super confident, but I do think we will see a game. I think they start it. I think they try to finish it. And I think they, Mm -hmm. I think if as long as there is not a total widespread, like Cardinals, Marlins-esque outbreak within an individual team, I think Mm -hmm. they will try to finish the year. That's that's where I'm at today. I I think they're going to try to power through this. Um, but uh, doing so is going to be a lot more difficult than me saying that they're going to try to. It's going to be really hard, but I, as of today, I, I think that's where I'm at. I think they're going to try to do it. I agree. I agree. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, just as these infinite days just drag on, we'll just keep our eyes peeled for any breaking news and what's going to happen. And, you know, Rock M, you know, us here at Rock M, we, we, we have a football uh, preview all set up and ready to go. We were just waiting for our official word to come down, and, and I think we got it. So um, if, as long as nothing changes, we will start our full uh, football preview mode next week. Um, so you can be tuning in for that. And, of course, we'll just we'll just keep going. We got an extra little, little bonus to throw at you guys as we make it through the end of this week and get into fall camp. So, yeah, just keep your fingers crossed for our season, whatever that looks like, and keep your fingers crossed for player safety. That's all we can ask for. So, um, yeah, that's the show for today. And of course, we appreciate the downloads and we appreciate the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or you can rate us because we love all types of feedback. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation. Appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, I'm Z. Z-O-U.